All right. It was the month of November in the year 2017. Boy, how time flies, right? Pastor John was preaching uh, that Sunday evening, and he had asked us a question. This, uh, this week had been about thanks and giving. And I, I remember John walking around, and he started on this side of the church, and he moved over to this side of the church one by one, and he asked what you are thankful for. Now, I remember my question, or my answer, and my answer was, I'm thankful that he hasn't given up on me. Because like I say, I always haven't been the best person and probably still ain't the best person, but I had a lot of trials and temptations that were uh, self-inflicted, if you will. I chose a lot of wrong directions, if you will. But our God was just and faithful and patient and waited on me. Why? I have no idea. But some of those other answers, if you can remember, were we were thankful for salvation. We were thankful for Jesus. We were thankful for the church. We were thankful for our pasture. And we were thankful for our health. Just to name a few of those answers, if you can recall uh, the 2017 message. And as we have recently met with our family and friends and, and, uh, and maybe our neighbors to get together for Thanksgiving, I have that same question for you. What are you thankful for? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be together. We thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to share together with family and friends this, this past Thanksgiving. And, uh, and Lord, we know deep in our hearts, it's not just about a holiday of Thanksgiving. It's about every day of Thanksgiving. And we just we thank you so much for what you've done for us. We thank you so much for uh, just being patient with us. And we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, Lord. We just... And uh, we just pray that you continue to be with this service, you continue to be with this church, uh, you'll help me through this message, that you'll uh, lay it on our hearts and on our minds, that we may leave here today uh, thinking more of you than when we came, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. <clears throat> And you guys will remember this story here about the uh, Samaritan woman. Uh, and as you get over to John chapter 4, verse 1, it's, it's important to remember that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't really hang out together. Uh, they didn't really cross paths a lot of time. They didn't fellowship together. So this makes this, this particular uh, account um, important to understand what Jesus was doing and why Jesus had gone there. Chapter 4, verse number 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. So John went out and baptized here. But see what the parenthesis says in, chapter, in verse number 2. Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. Verse 3 says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat this on this well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now I'm going to pause there just for a minute, and I want you to picture in your mind Jesus sitting at this well because he was wearied from his travels. Do you think in your, in your mind, you think there's any reason why Jesus is just sitting here at this well hanging out? The Bible says he was wearied. Maybe he was thirsty. Maybe Jesus had something else in mind. Amen? 
Verse number seven says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me water to drink. Again, I pointed out when we started, there is, a, uh, there is not a whole lot of relationships with the Jews, and there wasn't a whole lot of relationships with the Samaritans together. Verse number eight says, For his disciples were gone away to, buy, uh, to the city to buy meat. So the disciples have left Jesus sitting on this well by himself to go into town to buy supplies for their trip. Verse number 9 says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given the living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living water? Now, if you can picture your mind, this woman is thinking uh, physically, not spiritually. She's looking at this well that Jesus is sitting on, weary, thirsty, saying, Give me something to drink. She's thinking, well, you don't have anything to draw water with. How are you going to get something to drink? What am I going to put it in? How are you going to get to the water? And he's saying, if you knew who I am, you wouldn't be asking me this silly question. Amen? Verse 12 says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and, of his, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this, this water shall thirst again. Again, he's talking to her of the water in the well. He goes on to explain in verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now this woman of Samaria, if we remember right, he's saying, go, he tells her later on to go grab the husband. She's like, oh, I don't have a husband. He says, whoa, wait a minute, but you have five. <laughs> so this is not a, a good woman by any point in time, by, by any point in scripture, by any point in today's standards to have five different husbands. But the point is, is that Jesus knows her intimately. And he's there in Samaria, gone out of his way to sit on this well, to wait here until the seventh hour for this lady to come up and say, I've got something for you. i got a gift. Amen. Scripture reminds us that being thankful uh, needs to be the foundation of our lives every day. In fact, having an attitude of gratitude adds to our spiritual and to our physical health. And as I, as I remember back in Brother John preaching this message uh, so many years ago, this was, uh, it was about thanksgiving, but it was about thanks and giving if you remember how he divided that. We are certainly to express our appreciations to our family and friends for maybe our employment, through our experiences, through the new things, but the Bible clearly instructs Christians to fix our eyes on him, to fix our eyes on the Heavenly Father, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we, as we sing this morning about being our theme in glory, are you able to say that today? If we are, if we are truly thankful, who are we telling? If we are truly thankful, who are we showing? If we are truly thankful, what is our walk like? What is our talk like? What are our action like? If we are truly thankful, be thankful. Amen.
How can we express thanksgiving? Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter ye into the gates with thanksgiving, and into the courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. This is, this is a, uh, a writing in Psalms that tells us how to be thankful, what to be thankful for, when to be thankful for, when we enter his gates, when we go into the world for the good things and for the bad things, for the trials and the temptations, in all things, we are to give thanks. We can lift up our thanks privately at any time. But Brother John had asked this question to the church. But I think that it was a blessing to the church just to hear those questions answered, to hear those testimonies. You know, when you tell somebody what you're thankful for, what's a lot of response you get? What response do you get if I tell you what something good happened to me? Amen. Amen. Can we say amen? Amen. If I tell you something good happened today, you're going to say, amen. If I say, well, man, I had three flat tires instead of one, you might say, woo, that poor guy there. <laughs> right? right? But when something good happens, we think about, amen. We should tell somebody. So when Brother John's asking this question, he wants, he wants us to share what we are thanking, thankful for, not, only, not just to him, not just with each other, but with God. And in Brother Jimmy's class, who talks about uh, being thankful for, as the, uh, the men in the, in the writing he was talk, talking about were in front of God and in front of man. You see, our testimony is not a private interpretation. Our testimony is not behind the closet, behind the scenes. Say, yep, I'm a Christian. Don't let nobody see me, right? Our testimony is if we are truly thankful, is to go out and tell the world what we're thankful for. Amen. Amen. There's something very special about gathering together to express that gratitude to God and sharing something that God has done in our lives and, and how coming to know Jesus has changed our lives, to listen to their stories and to become more aware of, of what God has done and, and that God is still working. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to go out there in the world and really think about what God's doing in our lives. You know, if you don't purpose yourself to think about that God has done something in your life, you may not think about it. And that's a shame because we ought to see God's glory in everything. But I can't say that we always do. I can say I want to, right? I can say I certainly want to be that way. I can't say I walk out there every day and someone cuts me off. I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, may I have another? <laughs> No, I can't say that I'm thinking that. I want to, though. I want to. You know, verses all through the Bible points us back to, uh, to God as our creator and our sustainer and, and how we are to be thankful people. And uh, there will be a list of things that we, can thank, that we can thank him for, and that list is endless. We can thank him for everything. We should thank him for everything, the goods and the bads. Even that guy that cuts you off, we should be thankful for. Because he didn't hit you. <laughs> Amen. You can find some goods in that. Turn your Bibles over to Psalms chapter 95. And like I always tell you, I like to bounce around, so we are going to bounce around here a lot. Psalms 95, verse number 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with 
thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a king above all gods. That all gods is little g's, by the way. Uh, he is the only God, the only true God. And even though we, uh, let's say our pianist is, uh, is not here in the church, we have come up with a way. That someone is playing music that we can sing a joyful noise. We can make a joyful noise. Look, we don't have a big rock band up here, and that's okay with me. But we're making a joyful noise to him, noise to him. We're giving thanks to him, and that's what it's about. And we can lift up that privately at any time. Something that we can be thankful for is his love. This morning, Brother Jimmy reminded us of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being Abraham when he said, hey, uh, I need you to bring up a sacrifice. And then you make your kid carry the wood up there <laughs> to the top of the mountain on top of that. And he said, dad, where are we going to get this sacrifice? Says, Don't worry, Lord is going to provide. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine giving up your only child? Could you imagine giving up your only begotten child? That's what God did. Why? So that we will not perish. So that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He so loved the world that he gave. He didn't have to. He wanted to. I mean, with a snap of a finger, he could, he could whip us into submission, right? He could say, yep, you're, you're okay. You're a little challenge. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this squared away. He could do that if he wanted to. But he's patience. He give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We often think of his love as and relate that to John 3.16 for God so loved the world. Let's turn over to 1 Chronicles. Way back. Chapter 16. Verse number 34. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 34 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever until (laughs) until you don't have any time left. You know, he says his mercy endures forever. And we believe his mercy endures forever, right? Because that's what the word of God tells us, that his mercy endures forever. But you have a choice to accept that mercy. You have a choice to accept his grace and mercy. And you have a choice to reject that. So his mercy may endure forever, but your personal choice will end at a certain period of time. Psalms 106 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And then Psalms 107 15 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God so loved. God's love is just as strong today uh, today as it was in early biblical times. God loved, you know, when John 3.16 was written, God's love, God's truth is just as strong today. You know, God is still saving people today. God is still bringing people to heaven today. His love is just as strong and we have something to be thankful for. His, his, his love is still strong, and He is our God, and He still wants to have that relationship with us as a father and a child, as a father and a servant, as a follower of Christ that we should be. He still wants that for us. 
Number two, we can, we can be thankful for his provisions. If you have something, you have something to be thankful for. From the earliest days of the Israelite nation, God has delivered his people from and led them through all sorts of trials and hardships, trials and temptations, and I'll tell you what, rejections he's led them through. Because you think about the children of Israel, and I love, if you've heard me preach before, I've probably told you this before, I love picking on the children of Israel. I love picking on the children of Israel because they are witnessing signs. They are witnessing miracles. They're murmuring in disputes out of their wilderness. And God's provisions are right there, first and foremost. And they reject him still. I, can you imagine Moses walking up with his cane and throwing it on the ground and it turns into a stake? I don't know about you, but I'm gone. <laughs> Aaron throws it out there and it swallows up all the other snakes there. Could you imagine seeing the, the Red Sea part so that you could get across? Yet they go to the wilderness and they murmur. Remember what they said? What did you bring us for out here? So we could die in the wilderness? He led them from captivity because they were crying and disputing about being held captive by the, Pharise- uh, by, uh, by the Egyptians, right? They're being held hostage. They're being slave labor. And they bring him out there. They lead him out into the wilderness. He saves him from the people. He puts all these wraths on, on, on the Pharaoh. He brings all these things out here against him, leads the people out there, and they say, you brought us out here to starve to death. I tell you, how much better are we today? So from the earliest days, God has delivered his people and led them through all sorts of trials and hardships. So many accounts tell of the people's responding in gratitude for God washed over them in challenging times. Their trust grew stronger and led them through without expectations going forward. You know, I've told you this story before. I I met with a man here a couple years ago who, uh, who was a walking testimony. He should have been a walking testimony. Anyway, I had, I had met him at a, at a job site. He actually be, happened to be a UPS driver. And we got to talking. How we got to this conversation was kind of a roundabout sort of way. But we got to talking, and he said, Man, you know, uh, I believe in God. Amen. And then he told me his story. I was like, Man, you ought to be a just walking billboard. So this man, who used to be a, uh, a business owner, he, he, he has a franchise owner at Sonic, had an employee who didn't meet standards. So he terminated this employee. This employee tracked him down, caught him on a sidewalk one day, point blank, shot him in the chest. Wow. Climbed on top of him as the man laid there, put his gun to his head, and click, click, the gun jammed. So he fled. He took off. So this man laying there with this, with this open wound, this sucking chest wound, calls his wife. Wow. They call a hospital. He tells her to call a hospital, call the ambulance, call 911. He calls his wife. And he says, you know, while I was laying here, God spoke to me and says, I'm not done with you yet. Amen. He's still doing miracles today. He's still providing today. Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. I And I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And my song will I praise Him. Amen. So we think about those songs. I remember Brother John used to say this a lot. He said, did you, did you actually read the words of the songs this morning? 
Ah, guilty. I've mimicked them before. You actually see the words that are written in these songs. You know, a lot of these songs, which is why we read, why we still sing the old hymns, are are biblically based. A lot of them are based after scriptures. They're not a repeat soundtrack like we hear on the radio today. They have a meaning to them. Do you hear them? Will your theme be glory? Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, it doesn't take much for us to come up with our own testimonies of how God has carried us through hard times. He wants us to recognize Him. He wants us to appreciate what He's done for Him, uh, for us, and, and no one else. There's no other reason why we get what we get, why we do what we do, except by God. God is the one that allows everything in our lives. I told you earlier, He can make that split decision right now, say, yeah, this one's not going to make it. Done. You know, a lot of times we we forget and we think that we're on our own merit. No, we're loaned here for a short period of time. Number three, we can be thankful for his forgiveness. King David and his disciple Peter were two examples in Scripture of men who were impacted by their sinful choices. If you remember David and, uh, and let's say, his not-so-popular choices with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. Is that right? I may not have got his name right. Anyway, her husband. If I screwed up that name, I apologize. Her husband. So David sees this lady, and uh, he's now interested. So he decides to have a relationship with this lady, calls her up. In order to keep this lady, he sends her husband out to the front lines of the battle. And he calls the rest of the army to back up so that he'd get killed. So not only is he an adulterer, He's now a murderer. But he was forgiven. You know, he had to repent. He had to be told. Someone had to tell him that what you're doing is not right. And he confessed those sins. Both were deeply changed in the process. Others joined with them in Scripture to express their thanks and such amazing grace for forgiveness. Uh, Isaiah 12 and 1 says, And in the day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou hast comforted me. You see, the, the Lord hates sin. He doesn't want sin in your life. And though he may be angry about that sin... He is just to forgive you of that sin. There's forgiveness there for all who will believe. John 1, or 1 John 1 through 9. Uh, oh, sorry, 9, not 1 through 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and the just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I've preached a lot on this here lately, a lot about that forgiveness, because I think it's important. And I think it's one of those things that many churches just aren't doing anymore because we're so worried about filling up the church pews than telling people the truth. And, I, it, you know, you don't want to preach the same message over and over, and you don't want to pound it. 
But maybe someone needs to hear that message that didn't hear it the first time it was preached. Right? Maybe, maybe you have to knock on that door one more time. Or maybe you have to hand that track one more time. Or maybe you have to tell your, your mom or your dad or your brothers or your sisters or your nephews and nieces one more time. Because if they're not going to heaven, they need to hear it one more time. Every believer throughout the ages has been able to hold on to the same promises of receiving God's forgiveness of sin from the beginning of time. We see from David, we see from Peter, we see that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, there is forgiveness. And that is something to be thankful for. Number four, his word. Even before the Bible that we know it today, the teaching of his truths were shared. Someone went around and shared God's word. Someone went around and shared what God has done. Someone went around and shared what Jesus has done. We have it in this form here, which is awesome. Amen. But someone went around and shared the word of God before we had this in our hands. Colossians 3 and 15 says, And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to the which also ye are called one in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to be Lord, to the Lord. And whatsoever do ye in word indeed, or do you in the name of the Lord Jesus, give thanks to God and the Father by Him. Today we can be blessed to have access to the whole Bible on any given day. We can be act, we can be impacted by life-renewing power within His pages. We can be fed on His Word. We can study to show thyself approved. We can increase knowledge and increase our fellowship with God. We can increase our relationship and we can know that He is well-pleased knowing that we are studying His Word. You know, it's funny, I, uh, yesterday I had a, a post pop up on Facebook. You know, I get these reminders of a year ago something happened. This was 10 years ago, this reminder came up, <clears throat> and it was a reminder, uh, it was a good reminder actually, now that I can't remember exactly what it said, but I'll tell you the gist of it anyway. It said, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to admit, it's been a while, but I knocked the dust off my old Bible, and I opened it up, <laughs> and there was a message in there for me. That was 10 years ago. Number five, we can uh, be thankful for his creation. God created the earth for his pleasure and ours. He took great care in the process of making it. Every detail was intentional. Turn all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without vo- form and void, and the darkness and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day, and God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, let it be divided from the waters, let the, uh, from the waters, from the waters, and God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament, from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. 
And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called the seas. And God saw it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and let the uh, and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after the kind and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them uh, be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let, there, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over uh, the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created uh, great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed man, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature of his kind, cattle and creepy thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after his kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over the creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the earth and over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. See, we can be grateful for his creation. We can be grateful for his provision. We can be grateful for his forgiveness. We can be grateful for his love. We can be grateful for his people. Number six, the apostle Paul often expressed gratitude of his fellow Christians for the encouragement and support they gave. He recognized that God was ministering through him or him through the believers while giving them a chance to know and joy, uh, know the joy of serving the Lord. You see, when we minister, when we minister to each other, we get to know that joy of ministering. We are supposed to be fruitful. We are supposed to multiply. We are supposed to minister and we will receive that joy and we'll know that joy. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2 says, We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your works of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and our Father. You see, when we minister, we do it in His sight. We don't do it for our benefit. We do it for His. We do it for His cause. We do it for the cause of ministering to somebody who is in need. 
Number seven, his plan for us. The Apostle Paul repeatedly uh, wrote that the followers of Christ have been set apart by God. He taught his believers that they have the privilege and the responsibility in growing in holiness and joining in the Lord in his work. We get the opportunity to join his work. We are the heirs of his salvation. As children of God, we are heirs into that kingdom of glory. Amen. Paul mentions God plans for us to share in numerous blessings through what Jesus did did, and he died on the cross. Victory over the enemy, restoration with God, and the eternal kingdom and glory. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 says, But thanks be to God, which given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In this age, we are even closer to seeing the return of Christ. Now, I'm not going to predict and say, hey, it's tomorrow. But you know what? It very well could be. Every day, we are one day closer to our final destination. Every day, every minute, every heartbeat. That should uh, awaken our greater determination to know God as, uh, as a child, to know God more intimately, and to be more grateful in His wonderful promises. Saying thank you to God hardly seems like enough after all the blessings that He's given to us. We should give thanks in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So like Brother John Hare who now gets to worship in heaven, left us a message so many years ago, I now ask you that same question. What are you thankful for? Amen.